You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back to another episode, my lovely friends. I am your host, Rebecca Hinson, and this episode is coming at the perfect time. We are approaching the holiday season, and this is a time of the year that can be very difficult for a lot of us. It can be difficult trying to navigate the food that's going to be presented, the people, all the things when we're trying to stay within our lifestyle that is whole food plant-based vegan we're trying to stay as healthy as possible and it can be challenging but we are going to get all into it with my guest today kathy davis she is the ceo of veg inspired she's a plant-based accountability and empowerment coach and the author of three cookbooks and she helps people successfully transition to a plant-based diet helping them with practical tips, strategies, and of course, easy and delicious recipes that do not add stress in the kitchen because we all know how that is, right? (laughs) We get into her story, how she became a plant-based vegan, whole food plant-based vegan. We talk about challenges that occur when we go plant-based, dealing with family and gatherings and eating out. We talk about how to find your inspiration, keeping your goal at the front of your mind, planning your choices, recommendations for holidays, all the things. We get into Kathy's top three go-to easy meals, as well as how to make a carrot dog. Fascinating. I can't wait to try this. But it is a really great episode. We talk about all things inspiration to help you stay on track when being a whole food plant-based vegan. So without further ado, here is my interview with Kathy Davis. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. Um, I have been, obviously, the past few days looking up about you and you, before we get started on anything, I'm just so intrigued that you live in an RV and travel around the United States and have cats and I have cats too. So, you know. I do. I do. Four years ago, my husband and I sold our house and moved into a fifth wheel and we've been to 29 states in four years. So where are you right now? Right now, at the time of recording, we are in Southern Georgia, making our way to Florida for the winter. Good for you. I'm jealous. (laughs) It's so cold right now. (laughs) I'm in North Carolina, but it's still so cold. I hate it. Um, That's amazing. Um, I, my husband and I have I guess we fantasize about it. Maybe one day we'll actually do it, you know, but we always fantasize about it or, or maybe not even doing it permanently, maybe doing it like half the year. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people, the fact that y'all actually took the the plunge and like did it is just amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's been incredible. We've been to lots of cool places. What has your, what did your cats think about it? Did you already have your cats before? And then you moved in the RV? We did. So they travel in carriers in the truck with us. So we have a fifth wheel, which means we pull it with a truck. And I think the, what won them over is that we're home with them all day, right? Like 
they they no longer had us commuting to work. We were just there in the RV with them all day long. And I, I think they really liked that. Aww, and all it. the windows. They loved to look at the birds and the squirrels. Oh my gosh. How many cats? Uh, we have one right now. We had three when we started, but Aww. two were seniors. So yeah. Yep. They, but they traveled amazing travels all the way from Florida to Montana and Texas and the most well-traveled cats (laughs) for sure. For sure. Oh, my cats are terrible in the car. Um, I'm sure they would get used to it after a while. They would have to, because it would, you know, they have no choice. (laughs) You have no choice, but to stop meowing like every day. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm excited to get into, um, all things plant-based, you know, empowerment and accountability and all the things that you are working on. But I would love to hear your story. I love to hear everybody's story of how they became plant-based vegan. So tell us about your transition. Absolutely. So it was about nine years ago now, uh, gosh, 2013, my husband brought up the idea of us going plant-based, you know, to preventative health. And I dug my heels in. I had no interest. I didn't want to, I didn't want to give up my burgers. I didn't want to give up my blue cheese dressing, my Buffalo wings. I grew up in Western New York where Buffalo wings are a thing. I, I didn't want to do it. I was afraid. And it took about eight months of trying plant-based recipes, being open-minded, being willing and using familiar foods for me to even accept it as an idea. And then through those eight months, I looked at, you know, videos and did research and watched documentaries. And the, the more I exposed myself to the realities and the, the truth behind animal agriculture and the science behind, you know, healthy eating and, you know, what we actually needed and, and tested recipes that, that gave me those familiar foods, buffalo cauliflower, vegan blue cheeses. You know, I finally, after probably a dozen recipes, found a burger that I, a veggie burger that I could make at home. And it was over that exploration that I, I allowed myself to enter into the idea of becoming vegan. But the pivot moment was, was in a moment, right? All of the eight months leading up to this point in time that I can actually identify I was standing in a field. I had just celebrated my bachelor, my bridal shower. And my, the host had, had cows that they raised for slaughter. And I was standing in the field and the cow had just had a calf and it all clicked. And in in that moment, I remember saying, oh, I'm done. I'm never eating babies again. And that was it. I, I went vegan. I call it overnight, but it was eight months of trying eight months of exploring. And so you know, I, I pride myself in being an inclusive platform. You know, we, I run veg inspired. I started it eight years ago, right after we transitioned to, to, you know, right after that pivot moment and transitioning, because I wanted to be inclusive. I wanted to show people that plant-based eating didn't have to be hard. It didn't have to be only for the few. It could be for the many. And that for us, we want to meet you where you are. It took me eight months to accept it and to, to make it a, a reality for me. And that's, that's where I, you know, that's the starting point. And over the last eight years, I've eaten on all ends of what I call the vegan spectrum, raw vegan to whole food, plant-based 
to full on junk food vegan with Oreos and vegan Doritos and vegan donuts. And I've found that my sweet spot, the spot where I feel my best is a very intentional whole food, plant-based, mostly unprocessed vegan lifestyle with the intention of hitting that vegan donut place in Missoula, Montana, as we roll by in the RV or going out for brunch and having tofu scramble and, and a mimosa and not feeling restricted, but being very intentional about my daily habits around whole food, whole food, vegan eating. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's definitely the key. Um, backtracking. I think it's so interesting that your husband, I mean, I would say like 90 something percent of the people who come on here, it's the female who is the one who is the catalyst for, you know, let's change our diet. And the husbands are like, what? (laughs) So how did your husband, how did he, I mean, he just, he had, he seen a documentary or read an article or he read two contradictory articles in a, in a health in a men's magazine and was thinking, wait, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't line up. Let me do some more research. And he actually found the starch solution first, uh, which is, you know, heavily potatoes, beans, rice, and really looking at the effects of oil on the way we eat and our lifestyle and our, in our health. And he's a, you know, full on Italian, like you start the, every recipe with a big glob of oil. And for him, it kind of made sense. Maybe we don't need to do that. So we actually started oil-free cooking even as far back as eight years, despite the fact that we would still eat, you know, some of the processed vegan foods and things like that. We didn't necessarily cut out those items, but we stopped cooking with oil early on. And that created such a, a lightness, you know, it, you almost feel lighter, more clean, more fresh when you're eating these whole foods that aren't super processed or refined. And, and it just, it just made sense for us. And, you know, we received the same flack that everybody else does. You say you're going to go vegan or plant-based and where are you going to get your protein and how am I going to cook for you? And, you know, we received the same flack, but over the years, it's become easier to just navigate those social spaces and and be with family, even if they don't eat the same way as us. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely, it definitely takes time. And I think there's a lot of times people, um, you know, you get to a point where, where they can go two ways. They can throw in the towel because it, it is a lot having to listen to people, you know, like having all these, your family and your friends and, and trying to navigate eating out, which is so hard. And I think, you know, your message of, you know, not feeling ashamed because every now and then you go out to eat with your friends or whatever, and maybe it's not, the healthiest option. I mean, it can still be plant-based, but it's, I mean, generally everything we eat out at restaurants is bad oils, so much, so much oil. Um, so try, but getting over, getting to that point, I think that a lot of times people can like said that it's like a fork in the road. And so how do you, like, what is your message to people if they're, if they're feeling like that? Because, you know, I think sometimes you also need to be re-inspired, you know, and I love your your name veg inspired because sometimes you have to be re-inspired by it because you might get really bored of whatever you're cooking and and just like what what do you say to people who are in that in that place I love that question because it it goes back to my own experiences um and keeping your goal at the front of your mind you know a lot of times we have these these ideas and these 
these images of ourselves and, and the way we want to be, but we're so caught up in the outside world, the outside influence. And what shifted for me is I started to look at becoming the version of me that was empowered around food. So it wasn't necessarily that every choice had to be kale and tofu. It was that in my mind, for me, where I am, everything, every choice had to be vegan, but every choice had to be intentional. What is my intention around this? How can I create harmony around food so that I feel empowered when I'm making these choices? And how can I plan for those choices? So I teach meal planning as a, as a tip for success because it takes the guesswork out. It allows you to look at a week at a time, a snapshot in time and say, wow, I have three family events coming up this week. How am I going to navigate that? Well, this event, I can take my own food. This event, I can, I can get in the kitchen with maybe my parents or my mom or my aunt or my grandma or whoever it is, and I can pull out some of the foods before they add the animal products. And this event, they actually have vegan options at the restaurant. I can just eat that. And I can just be okay with those intentions. And, you know, I, I teach intention over perfection because there's so much of our lives, so much culture, so much conditioning on trying to be perfect. But this is a lifestyle. And nothing we do in life is ever perfect. And so if we take that perfectionist out, that perfectionism out, and we focus more on our daily habits and our intentions, we can feel very empowered. We can make colorful and very creative meals that are easy, that align with our goal to eat vegan for the animals or to eat plant-based for our health or to eat plant-based vegan for everything or to eat you know, plant-based for the environment. Whatever that goal is, whatever that mission we're on, we can use that to drive the choices that we make with intention. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And that's, I mean, I think that's the key to, for sustainability, you know, because otherwise, I mean, it's so, it's so difficult navigating being generally the minority <laughs> and, you know, like at every event with all your friends. Um, and I think the, going back to the perfection, you know, I, I say it's like progress over perfection. I mean, and we all have a tendency to to have that, that negative mindset of, well, I might as well just not even do it. Cause I'm not going to be perfect at it, you know? And that is the most difficult. Yeah. Or throwing in the towel because Friday night you had a vegan burger and fries. And so you just write off the rest of the weekend. My and God, you junk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, I always tell people like, just don't do it twice in a row and your, your body will, will heal. It'll recoup. And when you get up on Saturday morning, after a burger and fries or, you know, a cup, a glass of wine or whatever it is, eat those oats, get back to your oats and berries, get back to your avocado toast, get back to those, those foods that align with your goals. And you'll see your body start to bounce back. That resiliency will happen. And you don't have to feel as though the whole weekend's a wash. You don't have to start again on Monday or start again after your vacation. You can literally just be, you can just live. This is a lifestyle with intention. And I, I know I come back to that word all the time because it's, it takes, it takes the guesswork out. You just move forward with what matters to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, I think even with this lifestyle or if somebody was eating animals, I mean, I just think about when I was younger or something, you know, friends or whatnot, that would be like that with, with any kind of junk food, you know, it's like I ate junk. So I'm just going to keep eating junk for the rest for the next few days. And then maybe like, yeah, then Monday I'm like, okay, Monday I'm going to be better. But like today you can be better today. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Today's all we have. Yeah. If we worry about yesterday or if we, oh, you gosh. know, or if we dwell on yesterday and worry about tomorrow, we're not living in today. Absolutely. Today's the day you have. Oh my gosh. This is like, everybody, everyone, me for sure. Like also like, you know, thinking about the future and then you have anxiety and thinking, and then you're thinking about the past and then you regret whatever you did, but all you, all of that is not real. <laughs> you know, what, what is real is right now. And that's all that we have. So I think this is a really great, um, you know, with the holidays coming up, chatting about navigating through the holidays is maybe important because I think you're talking about like bringing your own food, like what, what are your recommendations for people trying to, deal with the holidays when you're surrounded by animal products, people who don't understand you. Maybe you're new at being plant-based vegan and, and it's, you know, at this point I've been, this will be my seventh holiday. So nobody says anything to me, you know, but, but at the beginning I felt like people were quite, there were more questions about like protein or whatever. So, um, what are your like recommendations for, the holidays. Absolutely. So my number one recommendation is to identify your non-negotiables. When you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table or standing at the holiday buffets in December, what are those things that you're going to say? I think I would eat that even though I'm plant-based vegan. Like it's only one, right? What are those non-negotiables? What are those foods, those associations that you have that that really spell out that holiday season, that celebration. And over the years, I've identified some of mine. Uh, early on, I I was had a real hang up on shrimp cocktail. I would sit there and I would just look at it and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not eating no shrimp. Like that is not happening, but I would miss it. Mm. And so I created a cauliflower cocktail. Mm-hmm. You basically take cauliflower, you boil it up in um, some of those old, old bay seasonings and other spices, a dash of seaweed or kelp or, or dulse. And then you could chill it like you would shrimp. And then you serve it with cocktail sauce, like horseradish and ketchup. Oh my gosh. Little things like that can make a huge difference in your ability to get through these sessions. So my non-negotiables for Thanksgiving are stuffing mashed potatoes, gravy, and a dessert. Whenever we travel to someone else's house, those are the things I bring. I do not want to be sitting at a table while everybody else is eating dessert. Just sitting. I want to be, I want to have dessert. And there's two ways you can look at it. One, you can create a wow recipe that wows everybody that you bring to share, or you can hoard that wow recipe and only bring a couple of slices for yourself. It really doesn't matter. It What matters is that you identify what those non-negotiables are so that you don't feel left out. And if you have a little bit of say in the kitchen, maybe you have a conversation with the host ahead of time and you say, before you, you know, throw a dollop of butter in the green beans, can I scoop out a couple? Before you, you know, mash those potatoes, can I scoop out a couple and mash them myself? I'll bring my own plant milk. 
you know, if it depends on where you're going, obviously, like at my mother-in-law, she's vegan. So she gets it right. It's easy for us to navigate that. My parents, they're not vegan, but they're extremely supportive. My mom will buy vegan butter, which again, I really only have at holidays or special events because I'm, you know, I really am conscious of the oil that I consume. Um, but I love making Christmas cookies with my mom. That's a tradition that we have. So we'll make Christmas cookies with vegan butter and we'll frost them and we'll eat them. And then I'll go on my merry way and life will continue. And it's not that big of a deal, but determining those non-negotiables and having a plan around how you're going to execute that is really important. The other big piece is in that moment, like living in the moment. Like we talked about living in the now. Every day you can wake up and be a little bit better. Thanksgiving is one day out of the year. So if you do have mashed potatoes with a little bit of vegan butter, or you have green beans that have a little oil, you eat it, you, you move on the next day. Now, obviously, if you're vegan, that does pose some challenges because there's animal products in so much of, you know, what's prepared. So when you're navigating that space, that's why bringing your own or looking at those non-negotiables, those things that you don't want to miss is, is obviously more important. But if you're plant-based and you want to eat grandma's apple pie one time, you'll probably bounce back. Now I can't guarantee that your stomach, your digestive system won't, you know, rage at you for eating things that you haven't been eating and that you won't have some discomfort, but do it and then pivot right back. Let go of, of the, the feeling to be perfection, the, 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 the perfectionist feeling and just move, move intentionally down the journey, but don't say, Oh, I ate crappy on Thanksgiving. So I'm going to eat crappy until Monday. Yeah. Like, that's not going to, you're not going to feel good any of the days. Mm -mm. <laughs> Or like the whole holiday. It's like, well, right. it's just all junk. I'll start so in I'm January. Just gonna, so for I'm just going to have a month full of eating junk. <laughs> like, right. I mean, the key is so, I mean, it, planning is so important. Um, and I think that maybe can be where a lot of people hang up, especially people who are really busy. And I think that that this is a, a huge challenge for you know, if you, if you have a family, you have kids, you have a high paced job, you know, like a, a job that's very demanding and you're trying to get everybody fed and breakfast and all these things, or, you know, you're trying to, to make separate meals. I know there's lots of people who are doing separate meals for different people in the family. Um, what is your advice for people who are, are living that type of, of life, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we all juggle different parts of our lives differently. And I think a lot of times food is something that we put on the back burner. We kind of just wing it. We're in a, we're in a society that wants food fast. So we have all these fast food convenient options. And so we stop thinking about it. We look at what's convenient. We look at what's easy. And what I've found is when I take five to 15 minutes and just take a look at my, the following week, and say, okay, I work Tuesday night. I work Thursday night. I know we're going to be late Wednesday. We've got a family event that we're driving to on Friday. I mean, when you start to look at where those time crunches are going to be and where you have more time to prepare foods, like I'm not a huge meal prepper because I don't like to eat the same thing multiple times in a week, 
but you can make a pot of chili on a Sunday and repurpose that for dinner on a Wednesday that, you know, you could throw it in the crock pot and let it heat up all day. And while people are in and out of the kitchen, maybe you have teenagers that are going to sports or your, your, your partner or spouse gets home from work late. And so there's food for them to eat that they can get. And then navigating spaces with multiple meals. I focus, I teach my clients to focus on the, the foods that everybody likes, those familiar foods, because the familiar foods won me over. So can you make more meals with sweet potatoes or pasta and veggies that everybody will eat? And then maybe there is grilled chicken or a rotisserie chicken or some other animal product that you don't want to eat, but your family can eat and add to that meal. Maybe it is two, two, pot, two pots of sauce and your pot of sauce will feed you maybe three or four times, whereas the family sauce only feeds once because there's four other people eating off of it. So you make your sauce and you freeze it in portions and then pull that out when you're making everybody else's sauce. Or, you know, I have a, I have a client that I was talking to the other day and she said, you know, one of the hardest things is that when my family gets together, they'll throw in a casserole. I said, well, can you make a casserole? that you can cut into six pieces. And when they throw their casserole in, you grab yours from the freezer and you throw yours in the same oven. And so you have a lasagna that, you know, maybe maybe they eat a Stouffer's lasagna and you eat your homemade lasagna from the freezer. And I know that I'm using really dramatic examples, but a lot of times it's just creative thinking around solving that, that problem. And the wonderful thing is we are the solution. We have those solutions. We just need to look and see how they fit into our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, this is where it goes to, you know, being inspired or, you know, being empowered, I guess, um, because whether or not it's through, you know, because of your health or, you know, the animals, but, um, and also feeling better. I think when you start feeling, when you're eating healthy and like truly like whole food, plant-based, not all the junk and you're feeling mm-hmm. so great you know, it, that, that's like, that itself is like an easy inspiration, right? It's like, I don't want to feel bad. (laughs) Like I feel so good right now. And that's a perfect, perfect example of what I'm, you know, when I'm talking about eating over Thanksgiving, like when you know how good you can feel, you don't want to eat that junk. Mm -mm. You don't want to wake up the next morning with a stomach ache. I had a client come on our call the other day and she said, I kind of just let myself enjoy the family food that everybody was eating. And I suffered. I had pains in all my joints. And I said, well, so what's the, what's, what do you think the solution is for next time? And she said, I need to plan in the foods that align with my goals. I can't rely on eating the standard American diet because I don't, I can't show up for my family after eating that way for a couple of days. It takes the whole point of me being there out. So if you think about the same thing, like, the whole point of these holiday ga- excuse me these holiday gatherings and and these of celebrations isn't for you to eat so that you feel bad it's so that you can be present and be be with family so if you can find ways to incorporate foods that are going to make you feel better then that's that's the outcome you want and that goes to every day of the week you know i have clients that i work with that will say i'm just too tired at dinner time to make dinner I said, well, I want you to back up and tell me what you had for lunch because it's, I'm sh- it's an indicator of what you're eating for breakfast and lunch as to why you don't have enough energy in the end of, at the end of your workday. And oftentimes 
I deal with a lot of clients that come in and they're like, oh, I just ate a simple salad, you know, lettuce, carrots, onions, tomatoes. And I said, you're not eating enough food. You're not giving yourself the food that, that provides that energy. And, and I'm sure you see it too. Like it's because we come into plant-based and this is my interpretation. And I even did it too. We enter into plant-based eating with the same like diet BS of like just a small salad for lunch. That's not enough. We have to eat, we have to eat beans and we have to eat rice and we have to eat potatoes. We have to eat these satiating energy fueling energy foods to give us the energy to show up for our family and make the dinner. Yeah. In our minds, we think, oh, if we just eat less and yeah, my husband actually, he had before he's plant-based. He's not, sometimes he does eat shrimp. Don't tell, I mean, I don't, I'm never get him off that. It's whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not that often. He doesn't seek it out if we're somewhere, you know, anyways, that's his thing. Then whatever. Right. Um, but so he had been vegetarian years ago. He did his yoga teacher training and he went vegetarian and he did it for two. It was like an experiment kind of, he was like, oh, I'll do this for three months. And he felt great. Um, and so he ended up doing it for two years, but at the end he was, he, well, socially he had a difficult time. This is about 15 years ago, I think. Um, it was even more difficult then than it is now. And he was just like eating salads. He was like not eating enough food. And he's a big guy. He's like six, two, he's tall. He's very athletic. And I think that a lot of times people think that, that they think, you know, I mean, you can't just have a bunch of, you know, romaine lettuce and think that that's going to be enough. It's not enough calories. It's not enough nutrients. I mean, you're like missing out on all these different food groups and it's just, it's a common, it's a common mistake. I think, you know. It's a huge mistake. And it's probably the number one mistake I see people making as they come into plant-based eating with that, like counting points, counting calories. And, and what we really need to focus on is counting the number of different veggies you're eating, getting that color on your plate, getting that variety. And then how many energizing foods are you fueling your body with every day and focusing more on the food being fuel, right? Not this like scarcity where you can't eat. like. The beauty of whole food, whole food, plant-based eating, minimally processed is that you can eat when you're hungry because you're eating whole plant foods. You're eating beans and apples and, and kale and potatoes and brown rice and avocados. And you're eating these whole foods that are delicious. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's those types of situations that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth with, with plant-based eating because they're like, I feel like I'm always hungry. And I'm always like, probably because you're not eating enough. So, you know, I, I just, I think it's interesting and maybe that's a segue into it, the foods we eat. Like, Yes. Yes. And I do want to get into that. I want to reference this and, and it, it's, it's very cultural, right. Of, of what we are conditioned to think that, this type of lifestyle is, um, years ago, I, I think I've talked, I've said, talked about this on the podcast in some episode, but there used, there was a billboard in, well, I used to live in Charleston and there was a billboard for, um, the, uh, the hospital there, it's called, it's called MUSC. And it was on the interstate, like going out of town and it had a little bunny and it was for uh, gastric bypass, bypass surgery. And it said, are you tired of eating rabbit food? 
And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like it, I took a picture of it and I was so annoyed because then it does, it's just perpetuating this idea that like, you know, oh, come have this very intense, hor- in- in- insane surgery rather than try right. to eat healthy because eating healthy is rabbit food or bird, you know, people say bird food or rabbit food, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, it just keeps perpetuating this, this idea that eating healthy, whether they call it plant, whatever they think, but people think that eating healthy is you know, depriving yourself, which I don't feel that way at all. You know, what do you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you don't feel that way. <laughs> I don't feel deprived at all. And, and honestly, and I, you know, part, part of my story that I didn't share was three years ago, almost to the day of recording, I stepped on the scale and was at my highest weight ever. And that's what pivoted me from that vegan junk food into the daily habits of eating whole food plant-based. But my initial response to that weight, to stepping on the scale was that I needed to go on a diet. And my husband actually was the one that said, what if you stopped calling it that? What if you started focusing on the daily habits? And that changed everything. It, it created an easier way to approach eating healthy, eating foods as close to nature intended, eating enough foods to fuel my body, but also get me the results I wanted, which was to lose weight. And I did, I'd lost almost 50 pounds. But what I've gained in the process is a healthy relationship with food, increased energy, reversing the, the markers of illnesses like, like prediabetes and, and, you know, acid reflux and uh, inflammation in my joints. I, you know, rheumatoid arthritis runs in my family, likely because we all ate the same things. I don't have those symptoms anymore. And so, you know, shifting the way you think about food in general allows you to be able to create new habits around that. So now my habits are how many berries did I eat today? How much, you know, what, what fun salad dressing can I make for lunch instead of what's the restriction that I'm putting on myself? And that, that whole shift in, in mindset gave me a new life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. And just a different relationship, you know, with food. I think going back to the society thing, our society is also with the fast paced life and, you know, fast food and everything's supposed to be so quick. And, and, and like you had said earlier, like food is on the back burner. It's like the last thought, which it should be like the first thought, you know, (laughs) it's literally, we encounter food three, four, five, six, seven times a day. And we, we brush it off mm-hmm. and just eat whatever's available instead of making intentional choices that can change the trajectory of our day. Mm-hmm. I think that like, it's, it's almost like, um, I don't know. I think in, in the fifties, you know, there was this big shift of like packaged meals and, instant cakes and instant everything. Right. Because people were tired. I guess it it, like the, the pendulum swung the other way. People were tired. Women mostly then obviously, uh, Mm -hmm. were tired of being in the kitchen all day. And so the pendulum swung the other way. And now it's like, no, you want to spend as the least amount, which, you know, you can spend less time, but still create healthy things. But that's trying to figure that out is hard, you know? Um, but I think that's basically, you know, kind of what happened. Definitely. And I, you know, I think, and even, even my own journey, you know, with, with my husband, like we went through phases where we loved being in the kitchen. We would spend all this time cooking. It was like an evening event. And then as your life starts to change, 
you don't have all that time or your priorities change. Maybe, you know, for us, I don't want to spend all day Sunday cooking. I want to go out and explore national parks and hike and bike. And so I even shifted the way that we prepare foods and, you know, finding easy ways using convenient whole foods can be a very, very strategic mechanism or method to making easy plant foods. Cooked beans, canned beans are a, an easy, very easy way to get a, a boost of protein, some carbs into your meals, onto your salads. You can pick up a salad from um, the, you know, a salad bar, the packaged salad ready to go and throw some beans on it. And you're starting to create an easier meal. You're getting a, an, another basis of more variety in your meals. Mm-hmm. What are your like top three go-to easy meals? Absolutely. So my, my number one easy go-to me, go-to meal is a burrito bowl. I'll take either pre-cooked rice from the night before or quick cooking rice or frozen rice that, you know, you can cook either one that I've frozen or frozen that you can buy from the grocery store. So the, the base is rice, usually brown rice for me, but it's a starch. So rice, I open a can of black beans or pinto beans. I dump that on, sprinkle on a little bit of chili lime spice. And then we choose to make our own pico de gallo, but you can buy store-bought pico, store-bought guacamole, shredded cabbage, shredded lettuce. And you just build this bowl of all these, you can make it at home. I can make my own beans, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of this way of eating. You don't even have to cook the beans. You just open the can and rinse them and dump them on. I have a client that travels full-time for work. And so she'll order groceries to be delivered to her hotel and brings a can opener. So she can do beans. She can get salads. She can microwave a potato, like makes it very easy. She brings her own dressings and spices. I mean, if she can do it in a hotel and I can do it in an RV, anybody can do it with, with the right intention, the right planning, having those foods on hand. Uh, another go-to meal that I love is uh, one pot pasta where you cook the pasta and then throw in some veggies right on top of it. And then the second pot would be your sauce. Um, but you can actually heat it all up together. You can throw the sauce in the pan with the right ratio of water. I mean, you can really take this to the next level. Um, another good sauce for a quick one pot pasta is to cook your pasta and your frozen veggies in the same pot, drain it out, and then mix in a few tablespoons of hummus. So hummus makes a really great creamy pasta dressing, adds in some, some of the beans and some other flavors that that, you know, add to it, you can add Italian seasoning or some other garlic, things like that to, to really spice it up. And then I love an easy oat bowl. I take old fashioned rolled oats, mix it with some plant milk, a little maple syrup, some ground flax, and then about a cup of berries, either strawberries, blueberries, or mixed berries. And then I actually let it sit on the counter while the frozen berries thaw. What that does is it helps the oats kind of absorb some of the liquid and make them a little bit easier digestible um, because I don't love, I mean, I don't love the texture of cooked oatmeal. So this gives me that kind of in between where they're slightly softened, but they're not mushy. And it's great because we typically follow the climate. So we're often in warmer weather. So it's great for those warmer mornings when you just want something cool and kind of porridge-like without, you know, having to heat up the oatmeal. 
So those are some great, easy recipes that anybody can do. And then if you're looking for a sweet treat, I love dates stuffed with peanut butter and a couple of vegan chocolate chips. Yum. Easy I'm peasy. so hungry right now and it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> so what am I going to make? I don't know. <laughs> um, you have three, you have three books that you I do oh three cookbooks. That's amazing. Thank you. What was the first cookbook called? Was so the it? first, the first cookbook was the 30 minute whole food plant-based cookbook. Um, and that one focuses generally on oil-free, salt-free and refined sugar-free recipes. And it busts the myth that these foods can't be ready in under 30 minutes. These meals can't be ready. Um, we, we actually love it. We use that cookbook all the time. It's so funny because people say, which cookbook do you use the most? And honestly, it's the first one. Um, it has so many wonderful soup recipes, especially this time of year. And I also love that it has a lot of bean dips and different ways that you can use beans. Uh, I haven't always loved beans. In fact, beans were kind of a hang up that I had when I first went plant-based because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to eat beans. And I was the girl that would pick the beans out of the chili. Like I didn't even eat the chili with the beans. Like I would pick <laughs> the beans out. So texturally, I enjoy that I can try beans in different ways as dips, as hummus, as spreads, as, as just different ways to kind of incorporate more beans. Um, so that's, that was the first book. And then the second book was the super easy plant-based cookbook. And that one's kind of fun because we or, or ordered the chapters or arranged the recipes in four categories. We have no cook, five ingredient, additional 30 minute recipes, and then uh, one pot recipes uh, with a, with a several sheet pan recipes, which became a very popular way for me to cook vegetables, beans, starches all at once while something else was happening in the kitchen. You know, I don't have children, but I can imagine, you know, all those ingredients go on the sheet pan and then you help with homework or all those ingredients go on the sheet pan and you have a soup cooking for tomorrow's night, right? Like just different Gosh. ways that you can, you know, kind of utilize your kitchen because you're in the kitchen anyway. Yeah. You might you as can well. utilize two different cooking methods to prepare for tomorrow night. Totally. So you put beans on the sheet pan just to like warm them up or what? I do. I, what I really like is, so I'll drain and rinse. Black beans tend to turn out to be my favorite, but you drain and rinse them and you put them on the sheet pan. And as they bake in the oven, they split and get this very nice chewy texture. So we use that. Um, we'll top like sweet potatoes with it, or um, we actually have a chickpea El Pastor recipe, which is on veginspired.com. So I can share the link if you want to put it in the show notes, but it's chickpeas, pineapple and onions, and you roast them in the oven. And then while they're roasting, you mix, mix up a quick pineapple cilantro slaw or salsa, and then you eat that in a tortilla. So the chickpeas get this really great texture and it brings in, you know, some, some of that ethnic influence with the top for the tacos. Yes. I would never have thought to put them in the oven like that. I'm, this is, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Best <laughs> like, takeaway. I feel so, in, I'm like something new. Cause I do feel like, you know, I mean, I love the, like the things that I cook and I, and I try to do, I don't do that many new things, but I, every, if I have time I do, but that's like a great, easy, simple, quick way to do some, to make it feel different. You know, it, it adds a, a texture, right? Like I don't, 
crisp them up. They're not crunchy. Yeah, right. They're not like yeah. croutons. Yeah. They're just textured enough to just change up the way that change you up. just change up a little. Yeah. And I love totally. it. I think that's the key. It's just like saying, you know, with the chili or something, um, you know, you can do it in different ways throughout the week. You know, you make one thing and then you're, you know, if, you're if you're eating it the same way all throughout the week, it's going to get pretty darn boring. I mean, we all, we all want something a little different, you know? So yeah, you could put it in like a tortilla or something and put, or put it on rice or put it on this. I don't know. There's all different ways to make it new. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And it, this is a good segue for book three, which is the budget-friendly cook, budget-friendly plant-based cookbook. And actually in the front of that cookbook, I talk about how to repurpose leftovers like chili. So maybe you have your chili as chili, a bowl of chili, and then the next day you eat it on rice or on a baked potato. And then maybe the next day you make carrot dogs and make chili carrot dogs, or you mix it with pasta. Or you eat it um, as a dip with like tortillas or tostadas or crackers, just different ways that you can repurpose your leftovers into something a little bit more unique, a little bit more fun. Yeah. Exciting. Make it just a little bit more exciting. Um, I've never had a carrot dog. Do you, what, is, what is, how do you cook a carrot dog? Like, how do you make it, how do you cook the carrot? So it becomes a carrot dog. <laughs> okay. So there's two methods that I've tried on veginspire.com. We have one where we steam the carrots first. The key is peeling the carrot, getting it, to, getting a carrot that's bun length, peeling it, rounding the edges. So it looks like a hot dog, right? Uh, then yeah. you steam it. And then in that recipe, we actually marinate them for at least 12 hours. In the budget-friendly cookbook, I wanted to create one that you could do in one day. That if you forgot to marinate them, you weren't like out of luck. So it's a longer, it takes longer time in the moment, but it reduces that marinating time. And basically you prepare it the same way, you trim it up, make it look cute, and then you throw it in a shallow pan with the marinade and you just gently simmer it until the carrots are, I would say fork tender. You don't want them mushy and like flopping apart, but you don't want them crunchy because that's not, hot dog's not crunchy. And then you top it with all your favorite toppings. And the toppings are really the key, right? The ketchup, the mustard, the onions, the relish, you know, the different ways that you might eat a hot dog. You know, if you're Chicago dog style, you want like peppers and um, pickles. And if you're, you know, well, I have leftover mac and cheese. You can slap that on it and make a mac and cheese dog. I mean, you can be so creative at, with it and, and really have fun with it. I actually saw on Instagram, somebody did it with baby carrots and turned it into cocktail weenies. And I was like, oh, oh. that would be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. How cute. Yeah, I, I love, love that. It'd be fun. It would be so fun. I mean, that's the thing about, you know, meat in general is it's, it's generally all the toppings in the seasons seasoning. So like you can basically just, just like with cauliflower, you can turn cauliflower into anything you want it to. You turn it into shrimp for gosh sakes. Like I didn't even know that was thing. <laughs> like <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's just it's just taking that creative creativity and keeping in mind the textures and the flavors. Right? It's all, all about texture. It's all about flavor. Just like I was had a hang up on buffalo buffalo wings, but you can bread up some cauliflower and dip it in buffalo sauce and dip it in a creamy ranch or vegan blue cheese and you get the same texture and taste without the cholesterol and oil. death 
and yeah and all the things and the um, <laughs> um with the burger what's your like go-to um burger ingredients uh so i have a black bean burger recipe um in the 30 minute cookbook that is black beans and carrots and oats and things like that and then we really like the vegan for everybody lentil mushroom burgers they're a lot more time consuming, but that was the burger that after 12 different recipes, we finally found a recipe eight years ago that we liked. Um, but the black bean one in our cookbook is it takes less than 30 minutes. It stays together. And for anybody, here's another pro tip for a takeaway. No matter what the recipe says, don't over pulse your burgers. One of the biggest problems is that with a with a veggie burger is that they mix it too much and it becomes too mushy and it can't firm up. So as soon as you bite into it, it kind of all just falls apart. And so if you pulse it less and really pack it like you would a meat burger, huh. it Good it'll tip. stay together better. That's so true. Yeah. Like you're saying it's all about the texture, you know? You have to Go it has to, to still texture. have a little texture in it, right? Yep. Oh, I love a good Definitely. burger like that. Me so too. delicious. Mm. I love a, I, I think one of the downfalls in in the way that veganism has trended is restaurants stopped making their own veggie burgers and started adding the processed burgers. It is and so annoying. Been, can we talk about this for a, a second? Oh my we god. We can. Oh my we god. Can. <laughs> seriously i mean for for decades places have had black bean burgers like that's not it's not even that kind of a new thing but it's so true so, there's a, a place here in town that like it is more vegan junk food but like they used to have i think a bird it was like a, their own homemade black bean burger and now they mix it they mix in the impossible burger and i'm like i don't want that i just want like real whole foods you know yeah, that's, I would say traveling the country, that's been the biggest thing that we've seen is that places, unless they're a defined burger place, or they've really won it in the burger area, they've been replacing their homemade burgers with these processed impossible and beyond. And, you know, there's a place for those in, in veganism, right? But for me, on a like, that's not what I want when I go and get a burger. And I will actually not go to a restaurant if the only burger option or the only vegan option is a processed burger. I mean, I'm, I just don't, I just don't want that. I want the burger with the vegetable in it. Like, show me I mean, the peas and carrots in your burger. <laughs> it's true. And like, at some point, you know, if you are, especially doing it for the animals, like, I don't want to be reminded of it. Like, I don't want something that reminds me that much that it, you know, because especially I think it's the impossible burger that beyond where well, is it beyond? No, it's the impossible one that is more animal like flesh like. Yeah. And like you can't you cannot tell the difference. I mean, if you have two different ones, I mean, and they did test, you know, taste test or whatever, and people can tell the difference. I don't want that. And the incredible thing is it's available for meat eaters who don't want to eat animals. Right. Like it's available for for us to use, like for us to, to help with that transition. But once you're in the place, once you're here, you don't have to eat that. You can eat a veggie burger and be amazed at the results. Amazed. And feel so much better the next day. I, yeah, the, it's, it's kind of unfortunate too, because I feel like the, there's such a push for the fake meats right now. And so then all the carnivore people 
or attacking it and being like, see, this is why you shouldn't eat plant-based. And I'm like, well, or eat vegan or whatever. And it's like, well, most of us are not promoting that. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I had, I actually got into a conversation about the difference between of clean eating. And like, here I am saying we eat clean, whole plant foods. That's why we eat plant-based. And people are like, those impossible and beyond isn't, isn't clean. Like there's ingredients in there that, that are unrecognizable. A, a ground beef burger would be cleaner. And I'm like, well, one, I'm not sure I agree with that, but I don't, I don't suggest that you go out and buy impossible and beyond as your staple burger. Like I would much rather support be, the, bur the burgers like the actual veggies, the noble, that when you turn it over, it actually says potatoes, lentils, mushrooms. Like these are actual companies that are intentionally making veggie burgers out of vegetables. And so it, you know, it, it becomes an education. It becomes, you know, leaning into what this movement means to you and, and how you want to proceed again with intention and for me, it's about eating as clean and close to nature as possible. I don't want refined foods. I don't want avocado oil versus the avocado. I want to eat the avocado. I don't want, you know, I want to eat corn. I want to eat potatoes. I want to eat these whole foods, not the chips and the oils and the, and the whatever processed junk. Yeah. And even with the, the cleaner plant-based burgers if you're looking in the frozen section or whatever it's really hard to find one that doesn't have a bunch of oil as like the third ingredient you know yep and so there are two that i'm there's there's several that i'm aware of actual veggies which is now coming to stores um they're they're good there's they have four flavors out and they're actually kind of cool because it's like the pink burger is the beet burger the orange burger is like sweet potato i mean it's the green one has kale and stuff so they're cool. Um, no bull is a clean one with oh, no that's a cute oil. name. Oh my gosh. I love no that. Bull. Yeah. <laughs> they're really good. And then sunshine burgers, which have been around for a long time. Um, they have some no oil ones and then engine two used to have no oil ones at whole foods, but they don't sell in whole foods anymore. Um, and there are a couple more, but I can't think of the names, but those those three are the ones that I tend to look for. And then some of the store brands, like I know Publix has a veggie burger and oil is lower on the list. So it's not that it doesn't have oil, but it's lower on the list. Yeah. I tend to look for ingredient. Like I, I mean, I'm an ingredient reader, so I look to see, you know, what does it have in it? What am I actually eating versus, you know, where do I want to eat? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and how am I going to use it? And looking at the ingredients, I would say is almost more important than looking at the, you know, the, what the fat content and all, you know, people just look at that side and they don't look at what's actually in it. I'm like, no, you need to look at the, the educational side. <laughs> like, right. You know, like you need to know what you're eating. And if you don't yeah. recognize an ingredient, then maybe you don't want to eat that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting to me because sometimes we'll even look at, you know, just vegan products in general, you know, they slap a vegan or plant-based label on it. And then people automatically think, oh, that must be healthy. It's, it's not any healthier than the, the non-vegan counterpart that they, they, they could even be the same. Like you've got potato chips that are potatoes, oil, and salt, and they slap a vegan label on it. And people are like, oh, this is the healthy one. Like 
still potatoes, oil, salt, still potatoes, oil, salt. Exactly. All these companies are trying to jump on the bandwagon because they, they see the dollar signs and, and lots of people will fall for it. You know, it's just, it's like greenwashing, you know, it's just like a form of marketing. Like they put natural on it and you're like how is this natural like that word means nothing you know like yeah or just because it says organic doesn't necessarily you look at the ingredients and you're like well it's organic but what are all these other things like so yep. it's it can be challenging but I think you take it one step at a time absolutely and like like we're the whole premise the it comes all full circle you know the premise of it is to just not give up I guess and just not be so fixated on being a perfect plant-based vegan or whatever, you know? And, and two, you know, both you and I have been in this, in this, on this journey for, for several years. If you're brand new starting out, the fact that you pick the vegan potato chips is a, is a big deal, right? Like, so it is a, it is about knowing where you are in your journey and knowing what that next logical step is for you as well, because we can't all go from you know, Kathy standard American diet to Kath eight years ago to Kathy right now, plant-based lifestyle coach. Like you don't, you don't go in that journey without experiencing the journey. Part of it is the, is the whole journey and learning and, and becoming more aware of where your food comes from and, and what you're eating. So, you know, I, if, as a takeaway, I would definitely encourage anyone looking to, to eat more plants or eat this way to, to take those next logical steps and, and celebrate the wins along the way. I love that. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it's a journey. It's a transition. It takes time. It's not overnight. And you just have to keep your, your eye on the prize, which is, you know, to try to be the best version of yourself for your, for the animals, for the environment and all the things. So absolutely, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to put all of your, all of your info in the show notes. Um, do you have any, anything to share or anything coming up? You know, I, I have the Eat More Plants Academy and I have uh, the Meal Plan Accountability Club. But honestly, what I really would like to gift your audience is a free meal plan. It's me meals and recipes the whole family will love and it's easy and accessible and has a grocery list and the recipes and a plan. So I think that would be something fun for them to get started, maybe take a look at. They can find that at veginspired.com slash podcast. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. That's so exciting. You're welcome. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, okay, it's don't. fun. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye, Thanks. everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and feel a little bit more inspired and ready for this holiday season and just continuing on your whole food plant-based journey with intention and with a better plan. You know, I think that when we are the minority and trying to live a lifestyle that aligns with our goals and our morals and our values, that we do have to keep that intention and that eye on the prize always because it is challenging in the world that we live in. So, I hope you enjoyed it and be sure to follow Kathy on Veg Inspired and also be sure to go to veginspired.com slash podcast to get your free meal guide. And until next time, my lovely friends, peace and plants. Bye.